read widely. You know, that old aphorism that I always tell my kids is that, like, leaders are readers. And we live at this kind of magic moment where your best mentors and guides are out there online. They're on the podcasts. They're available 24 7 wherever you need it. Develop the habit of constantly becoming a better filter of information. It's about determining who your gurus and mentors are and, and go deep. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Chris Hobbs, president and co-founder of TTT Studios, where we design and build the next generation of digital products to help your business. On today's episode, which is episode 80, which is amazing, of the Afternoon Tea Podcast, I am excited to be joined by Rana Sarkar. Rana Sarkar is a Canadian diplomat and policy advisor who serves as the Consul General of Canada in San Francisco, California, having been appointed to the position in 2017. Prior, Rana held various senior leadership positions in the public and private sectors. He served as the National Director for High Growth Markets at KPMG Canada, where he advised Canadian companies on how to expand into emerging markets. He also worked as the President and CEO of Canada India Business Council and had various roles in multiple great organizations in London, but that's the UK version of London, sorry, Western Ontario. He is a senior fellow at the Monk School of Global Affairs and Public Policy at the University of Toronto and has served as an advisor to several Canadian political leaders. Rano holds a master's degree in government from the London School of Economics, or LSE as we like to say in the business, and a bachelor's degree in political science from Queen's University. Rana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks so much. And that, that had to be the most interesting voice modulation I've ever heard on an introduction. So congrats and uh, uh, to I, you, Chris. I'm, I'm doing my best. My singing voice isn't so sweet. You know, you do <laughs> not want to go to the karaoke bars with me, but uh, all the same, uh, you know, well, hey, let's just have some fun. Let's have some fun. I mean, yeah. uh, for, for, you know, first off, I just want to, you told me that you have your own podcast that so you're not really supposed to talk about or do. No, 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 we are. We are. It's called and Confluence. It, and yeah, uh, just go to wherever you get your, your, your podcasts on uh, Apple or Spotify. And uh, and it's it. we started it as a, during the, the, the pandemic, of course, mm-hmm. we couldn't get out to do a lot of events and connect with our community. And mm-hmm. um, like uh, pretty much everybody else at that time, we decided, why not start a podcast? And uh, and use our networks mm-hmm. and uh, and and we have just so much great access to so many great founders, uh, policy oh, thinkers, bet. leaders down here that we said, well, let's just get you know folks on the on the line and uh, and and share some of those conversations. And uh, it was a, a bit of a leap for global affairs and for for government to to do that. But hey, when you're out here, you know why not take to you know take a chance and do stuff. Oh, well, I love that. And, and, and it makes sense why, you, A, you sound so darn good, and you have the great equipment, which makes sense. But also, would it be because you're in San Francisco, which is obviously a, a let's try, 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 you know, sort of part of the world, that, that the, the, the government kind of says, yeah, let's be experimental. Would it, would it be easier for there than, say, you're the consul general of, you know, in Bangladesh or in India or in, you know, Guatemala, anywhere like that? I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, because you're uh, out here in the Valley and, you know, particularly just given the nature of my mandate and how I came in and, you know, what people see me as doing, mm-hmm. I, I think the idea of, you know, trying things, I probably get a little bit more rope than in some mm. of my colleagues, but uh, 
but who knows? I mean, I think that, you know, I, I've noticed podcasting catching uh, catching on and uh, other aspects of government as well. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, as, as the governor of California is fond of saying is uh, the future happens here first. Uh, but uh, but it spreads it spreads fairly quickly, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued, you know, as the role of consul general, which sounds like an amazing job, especially in San Francisco, I got to say, too. That's a that is a cherry cherry on top of the cake in my mind. Can you tell me what a typical day would be for you? I'm sure. I, I and, and and the short answer to that is like uh, most of you uh, in this uh, day and age of operating, there are really no typical days. I mean, you know, the the anchor points in my day, and I have to say, is that uh, uh, my my I have three kids, uh, uh, you know, who are uh, in school, and in uh, in their calendar and their sports calendar is a anchor point to pretty much uh, a, a lot of our our family life but also uh you know the work that uh the work that i i do is often informed by you know uh you know just looking at the kind of world they're growing into obviously mm-hmm. and uh, the challenges they're facing but they're you know it's it's a two-way street i mean i learned so much from those guys um and and you know i can imagine sort of um uh san francisco kids and and valley kids they're uh they're they're on it in terms of uh uh not just latest stuff but also you know sort of a lot of uh they're great receptors of weak signals but like what i would (laughs) say in terms of the work that we do we of course (laughs) like a lot of um organizations have uh you know we've come back uh in hybrid and uh but we're, you know, our collision days in in our San Francisco office where we've got about 20 people and then we've got another um, uh, 10 up in, uh, in in Silicon Valley in right. based out of Palo Alto. And uh, and so our, our cadence and collision days are, you know, we're we're, the, we're a Monday is a is come back to becoming a kind of a regular day in the office <laughs> where there's a lot of the setups for the week in terms of, you know, what folks are doing, where we are. A lot of internal, and uh, and then we have uh, you know so the rest of the week you know we have a lot of the external programming that takes place, and so mm-hmm. you know of course we'll have other collision days accordingly during the week. But um, but as a job like a, a consul general, like and particularly given you know uh, the nature of my role here, where you know you referenced it, it's a also a bit of a tech envoy out here, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you've got multiple constituencies that you've got to hit you've got to be out there as well and so it's not just diplomatic events but it's also meeting with companies the venture community uh, a lot of political and you know society leaders out here but also uh a lot of travel like I, right. my my territory is uh you know it's it's san francisco and silicon valley but it's also yeah northern california which starts at bakersfield if you if you know anything about the geography of, of California, Bakersfield is kind of like West Texas, and you know the it's a extremely dynamic um, energy and farming community to all the way up to Northern California to the border, and uh, which encompasses a lot of geography and mm-hmm. a lot of different political and economic terrains, and uh, and Sacramento, which of course is the capital, mm-hmm. um, and you know if California were its own place you know it uh, its own country it would be the fifth largest economy in the world and so it's a monster and i think it's it's heading towards number four like a bullet but um, mm-hmm. um but but see these are these are big territories the other thing i have is i've got hawaii in my jurisdiction uh, that's for my one. sins <laughs> and you know i could tell you chris that i i'd never set foot in hawaii 
before I I, I took on this role, and and wow. I had no real sense of what um, Hawaii, in addition to being a consul general during the time of the NAFTA renegotiation, mm -hmm. you know, I was on the NAFTA council to uh, uh, to to you know obviously sort of dealing with with tech and so, and and you know our role in the innovation ecosystem, you know, so Hawaii was kind of off to the side, and and I got to Hawaii. And uh, you know, obviously, sort of, it's it's a it's a state of 1.2 million people. It uh, you know, obviously, Honolulu is you know where the majority of folks are, but the ecosystem there totally floored me in terms of what is happening, both in terms of you know the national security uh, elements of what's taking mm -hmm. place in in a place like Hawaii, which is the dead center of the Pacific, mm -hmm. to uh, it, you know, it, it, to to what's happening with indigenous relations, to uh, sort of a lot of the in, innovation that's taking place. And I'd say that there are almost a million Canadian trips to Hawaii. We are yep. the largest landowners outside of the U.S. in in Hawaii, and so these all these fascinating elements of what you know we get to cover out here. And the other aspect of my job, and I just you know finish this like my night job and my early morning job is to. to <laughs> really do the connectivity piece back to Ottawa, back to Canada, you know, generally sort of Toronto ecosystems, you know, West Coast ecosystems to better um, communicate the work that we're doing down here, but not just the work, but the kind of signals that we are seeing down here and how that might influence the way that we're right. developing policy, right. how we're, uh, you know, building infrastructure in Canada, how we're building ta talent in Canada and talk to companies in Canada as well and talk to business leaders. And so there's a kind of a two-way job that, you know, we need to engage in. So, and it's, you know, I, I to be honest, like 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 a lot of people, uh, half my calendar is full by the time I, I, I wake up and have any input into it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, but it's, it's enormously creative work and I'm, I'm so glad to be doing it. Well, we're lucky to have you, and uh, yeah, you know, the, San Francisco and Hawaii, what we'll call Northern California and Hawaii, pretty nice. I actually spent a lot of my youth in, in, in Maui, so I know there is a lot of Canadians there, and, you know, definitely have a lot of diplomatic uh, needs, I assume, too, just like they do in Northern California, so you are yep. probably busy with both. Well, well, you know what's interesting is that, so we have never had uh, a, a diplomatic presence on Hawaii, and our consular work in, you know, like a someone lose a passport or God forbid someone dies or, mm. you know, something happens on Hawaii, uh, to a Canadian, um, the Australians do our work out there for us. And, uh, we have a interchange agreement where we do work for them in other countries and they do Amazing. our work there. But, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, and, and we, uh, obviously, you know, as you know, Maui, you know, there are some challenges that happen out there as well. Oh yeah. And, uh, we almost had a category four. Hurricane hit uh, Maui about just near miss about four years ago, and mm -hmm. obviously uh, volcano and uh, other activities. And so climate change is changing um, Hawaii as well. Very different challenges from Northern California in that, but climate change is definitely uh, you know hitting California too. Well, you know I was really lucky because I, I I really enjoyed engaging with your predecessor uh, Brandon Lee, uh, but I think you guys are very different people. Um, so when you became Council General. How much change do you seek to implement in your office and how much control do you actually have over that change? Well, I, I think that every consul general, like, I mean, you come in and you're, you know, as a, 
as a as a one of my, my colleagues uh, uh, jokingly said, you're kind of like a subway franchise owner, owner, <laughs> and uh, you you you're you are off on your own, and you're you're working with your team, and you're building a uh, an agenda uh, that really reflects the. Um, the, the the leadership of that moment, and it also reflects the kind of priorities of the day. And so, okay. you know, uh, Brandon, you know, did a lot of great work. Um, you know, building the kind of the the the, the building blocks of uh, the focus on tech, and mm-hmm. you know, trying to bring some of that consciousness into um, our government. And uh, what I would say is, I've been building on the work of my predecessors, like Brandon and, and Cassie Doyle, who was out mm-hmm. here, who had a great focus on energy and was doing terrific work. And uh, and so I, I and we also rep- represent what we're doing at that moment and what our specific skills are and where the government's priorities are. And you know, as as you know, I'm a political appointee to this role, so uh, you know, my my job, my marching orders were. Very much, I, I got here, you know, um, after the, the, the Trump election, I got here um, uh, to, I was a member of the NAFTA Council, mm-hmm. and uh, when we were renegotiating uh, uh, the NAFTA agreement, and uh, and also at a moment where, you know, Web uh, 2.0 was probably at its apex, mm-hmm. and uh, we started, obviously, sort of the Canadian ecosystem was coming up to mm-hmm. critical mass, and we were you know, getting to that escape velocity point. So there was a lot of opportunity for uh, uh, support for Canadian companies down here, but also uh, uh, bring investors and appetite uh, from the U.S. back to Canada, which we which we did. And I think mm-hmm. it was it it was a, an enormous focus. But you know, the the moment even moved on from there. That we went to, from there to, uh, you know, we've been spearheading, and I've you know sort of personally had a a, a role in spearheading the sort of growth of what you know, is called tech diplomacy down here. And so, mm-hmm. and it's not just the country representatives, but also uh, a lot of international organizations that are now focused on the Valley, just given the kind of sheer importance of this place, which mm-hmm. is a extremely small place, as, as you well know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are 700,000 people that live in the city of San Francisco. It's a seven by seven city. Uh, you know, the Bay Area has 6 million people in the bigger Bay Area, but... It is. Uh, it feels small, and uh, and as you get into it in the various layers of the Bay Area, you realize this is a small but deeply influential ecosystem. And you know, one of my goals in the midst of that was to, how can I use the you know I you know it, the background that you gave uh, to me in terms of you know what I was doing prior to this at both at KPMG but also Canada India Business Council, but. Really, I was an entrepreneur before that, and that's mm-hmm. the stuff that sort of falls off the CV. And so there's a there's a trick for 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 most folks is that, you know, I'm always interested in what gets left off of a CV, mm-hmm. and how we tell our own stories and how we appreciate the stories of others. And so, you know, my real background, you know, is I was an entrepreneur, and mm-hmm. you know, I came out of grad school and you know was based out of London, and you know, spent a couple of years of strategy consulting. But really use that as a platform to go look around the world to say, you know, what businesses and what, you know, what things can we build to address some of these big problems? And I, um, you know, was an entrepreneur for a decade and, you know, some, some mm-hmm. hits and in that. And uh, I, uh, you know, off the back of that sort of came off of um, uh, that and said, well, you know, at a certain stage when we, we exited a company, we said, 
what, where do we live? Where do we go? We've got to go back to Canada to, uh, to help, you know, to, to, to build the new in the way that, uh, you know, was always part of the agenda. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I, it honestly, like I, I come at the work down here and what we need to do, you know, with that same kind of worldview in the sense that, you know, there are some big problems that we're addressing in the world right now that are now becoming existential for us in terms of the geoeconomic change, the geopolitical change, the climate, uh, so many enormous challenges. Then tech is the, you know, the, the active surface area under which mm-hmm. a lot of that is. And so, um, so I was really, you know, thinking about, you know, uh, you know, web 2.0, you know, where are the governance challenges of web 2.0? How can we bring what we're calling co-literacy to government? Mm-hmm. And in business where we can, you know, obviously, so the tech platforms learn to speak government, government uh, learns to, you know, understand uh, tech down to the product level to sort of understand, you know, where uh, they can be effective. And uh, uh, and so that was a, an enormous focus, building that sort of tech diplomacy angle. And so that was, that's been my mm-hmm. particular take on it. And I'm sure that, you know, people that will come after me in these roles are going to be dealing with a whole other set of mm. uh, uh, of challenges. Oh, I bet, I bet. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I, 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 you know, I reflect on you know that that time our prime minister, uh, Mr. Trudeau, gave his uh, speech on um, was it quantum computing, and uh, that was kind of one of those kind of buzz moments of like, wow, he really gets it. But does he re- rely, or does his office, I should say, or the government, rely on people like you who are, you know, what's the latest thing that I should be, you know, leveraging? Well, we got to phone the San Francisco office. Is that is that uh, is that something that you're part of, or is that, um, you know, he's got his own internal people to, uh, to help him with that? Well, I, I think that, you know, and I've, I've you know, known uh, him, and I've known, you know, and I, a number of uh, the, the folks that have been, in government, both in elected and, you know, in the political, but also the bureaucratic side for a long mm-hmm. time through um, a lot of the work at Canada, of course, is a small place as well. And, you know, and I've been, you know, sort of on the, how we understand these various surface areas of technology, you know, sort of while for a long time and uh, even prior to this role. But I think that, you know, in one of the, the in, in a way, one of the benefits that I think I can provide to the government and uh, both on the bureaucratic side, uh, all aspects of it, is uh, is that perspective of uh, of signal chasing and sure. um, and which we do a lot of. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that and uh, you know to an extent, things like our podcast Confluence, you know, is is part of that, and it's putting sure. together a view of of a Canadian informed view. And somebody who is kind of inside the sort of Canadian political and business system, but, you know, sitting in a very different place. And mm. it's, and, and I think that perspective is um, extremely worthwhile when things are moving so fast. And, uh, and so that's, that's a, a very useful task. And I hope that others, you know, there are probably other hub spots in the world where we do this. And this is what, you know, diplomacy has always been about at yeah. its uh, at its best has been trusted people being able to you know really search signal and be able to sort of distill that down and you know inform people who and inform the the kind of the culture in which people work yeah. you know in Canada because often the debate we have in Canada around some of these topics 
you know, whether it's, you know, tech regulation or whether it's how we build an innovation ecosystem or it's how we um, uh, even, you know, sort of what we think of, you know, our place in the world is different from the perspective that others have when they're coming from, you know, very different ecosystems. And so that's, I, I, I hope it gets listened to. And, you know, as, uh, uh, you know, we sit several thousand miles away and, uh, but it is, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's been instructive to, you know, be, uh, you know, in, in contact with uh, all members of not just government, but also senior business leadership on these issues over the years. Sure, sure. Uh, well, whilst I believe that you can do a startup in Canada now, like I would say, you know, before 2012, you know, if you're going to be successful, you went down to the valley. It was just, it was just the path of, 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 you know, the, the path of getting accepted as a big country and getting, or a big company, pardon me, and getting, getting investment. I don't think it's as important as much anymore, but it's still a great place to go if you want to be building, uh, you know, your career or building a great business. But, um, uh, you know, what advice would you give to Canadians who are considering moving or doing business in the San Francisco area? So I, I, I think that, you know, you're right in the sense that, you know, there's been a sea change in, uh, you know, particularly the tech entrepreneurial ecosystem over the years. And, uh, you know, by 2012, when, you know, just the beginnings of the C100, where, you know, it was the conversation was all dominated by the brain drain and, oh my gosh, you know, like, you know, why are we so below uh, scale and why is, you know, everything happening in the Valley? And I think that that conversation, by the way, was happening in every other jurisdiction because I was in right. London in the, you know, the late 90s and, you know, sort of <laughs> early 2000s and the tech industry there and the, the innovation ecosystem. And they were asking back then the exact same question, you know, that we were. Mm -hmm. And and that has to do with the fact that Silicon Valley is a very particular place that, you know, focuses on building hyperscale companies. And mm -hmm. it is a, you know, distinct ecosystem in the world for technology and technology development. And I, you know, and, and once we got out of that kind of miasma that, you know, we don't need to be Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley, and we are <laughs> building this, these excellent, you know, sort of ecosystems that, you know, are, 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 are great and can generate some really exciting companies and, you know, the flywheels start, um, happening. Um, and I think that there were sort of distinct phases in that. And I think that, you know, to a certain extent you took, it took time because you needed multi-generational entrepreneurial leadership. You needed the uh, general business climate to accept technology is uh, one of the, the the leading sectors. You needed, you know, the infrastructure to make it happen. You needed a certain critical mass of uh, size and scale of companies, but also sort of the funder base, which got yeah. addressed, you know, and that was, you know, like we're not having that conversation anymore about, oh, yeah. you know, where's all the, you know, venture capital at the, at the, um, at gross scale or, or, or many other aspects. And so, we took very specific policy measures, you know, through, you know, the mid 2010s that enabled, um, sort of the unlock of a lot of capital and then capital found its way there. They, you know, <laughs> they're, they, they saw where the market was going. And we also brought in an extraordinary amount of global talent <laughs> and which lubricated the entire system that sat on, on top of already great institutions that are producing great talent. Uh, so the flywheel 
really started to churn. And to the extent where, you know, as you, you probably had Chris Albinson uh, on, on the program, and Chris and I talk about this all the time, like, I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, just head spinning in some ways that, you know, we have become, you know, the number one destination for um, not just foreign students, but a lot of foreign tech talent, mm -hmm. you know, for a variety of reasons. And um, and that took a lot of work in the background, a lot of toing and froing. There was a lot of hand wringing at various stages. The industry, you know, went through these kind of cycles of confidence and, you know, maybe less confidence and, and all of a sudden, you know, but we are at escape velocity. And I think that's mm -hmm. the point that Canadians can have is that, you know, we're at escape velocity in a variety of sectors right now. You know, the fact that we added a million new Canadians last Amazing. year, which is a, a, you know, astronomical, if I tell people, you know, down here and I tell, uh, you know, the story uh, globally about that, it, people just shake their heads. Like a G7 economy growing at 2.7%. You know, you brought in a million new Canadians. We have 898,000 uh, foreign students that are studying in Canada right now. And we have these pathways that could bring people in on, you know, with a, a two-week turnaround. You know, this is in this world right now, just given the panoply of challenges that we have, right. you know, our ability to attract talent is by far one of our greatest assets right now. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, I just want to reflect on that, that, that immigration question too, which I think is a uniquely Canadian uh, situation is that, you know, we hear about, you know, this massive influx of people. And I have never heard anyone say anything negative about it. You know, maybe a housing pricing or stuff like that, but that's happening no matter what. This is seen as a positive thing across the board, or at least to the people who I speak to. And I think that's a very uniquely Canadian fact um, that we're more than welcome to have. You know, everyone's an immigrant in Canada, and no matter how you want to look at it, short of the indigenous population. And uh, I think that we really accept and, 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 and you know, uh, we... We're happy to have more people. And as I like to say it, it makes our, you know, I love the people from the world coming here because it makes our restaurants and food so much better. It makes me incredibly happy about that. Um, well, but you know, let's can, I, can I just put a point on that? Oh, like, let's just say that, like that didn't happen by accident mm. and will not continue without effort. Mm. And, I dig that. you know, this cross party consensus around, you know, who we are as a country and where we're going is not. You know, those things are fragile as well. Like mm -hmm. we've all lived through cycles. We've all lived through, we've seen the global experience. We are, um, quite frankly, in that respect, we're running against global tide. And right. we are going to have to put, you know, it'd be incredibly vigilant and incredibly responsive to ensure that, you know, these, you know, this, this pattern around sort of accepting immigrants and you know, getting immigrants, not just accepting, but, you know, embedding them into, you know, our economies at the points of need, right. um, ensuring that people are successful, you know, uh, and it's equitable and it's not seen as displacing of existing communities. Right. Uh, these are incredibly important things that we're going to have to focus a lot of time it, uh, and effort on. And it's, it's, we are right to be proud about this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, you know, we can't be complacent as well. No, I, I really, I really love that, uh, you know, that injection there. Cause you know, I, I almost think, you know, one of the, one of the factors I read about is how we're like one of the most overly educated, uh, countries, uh, by population. And I wonder if that has a lot to do with it actually, with the, with the acceptance level is that we, you know, we recognize that, you know, we, we are, like I'm in 
place, my wife's Korean, so I'm in Korea or a place like that, that have a negative uh, birth rate. And, you know, we are not growing without the help of, you know, people that want to be part of our great experiment we call Canada. And, uh, and you know, I think a lot of people actually really recognize that instead of want to say, oh, you know, you're taking our jobs. No, you're, you know what, you're providing jobs because you're helping our economy grow in a way that we just can't do it alone. So, well, I just, I just want to reflect on, you know, what you said with Chris Alfinson and, you know, obviously he's, he's one of the, uh, the founders of the C100. Um, and yes, he has been on the show and, you know, I learned a lot through, through Chris. Um, but what, and, and I've been to some C100 events with you as well. Um, what does the C100 mean to you? Well, I look, I mean, you know, I, I, I remember Chris and, you know, one of my predecessors, uh, Stuart Beck, um, who uh, then moved on to become high commissioner in India and he was the head of the Asia Pacific Foundation and, you know, has done great work. But Stuart and people like Chris and, you know, Jens Lee and Anthony Lee mm -hmm. and a, a, a few of them sort of got together and said, um, what about, like, what is Thai doing? Like the Indus Entrepreneurs Organization. Yeah. I was involved with the Indus Entrepreneurs Organization, you know, in London, you know, and also, you know, in the Valley as well and uh, for years. So I knew them. And, you know, I remember speaking to them then as they're like, look, why don't we have one of these types of organizations. And I think that they actually did it one better in the sense that, you know, and it really, you know, talk about uh, entrepreneurial hustle. I think it was just Chris and, you know, Anthony and a few others basically said, look, we'll, uh, you know, we're going to call it the C100. There weren't a hundred at the beginning, first of mm -hmm. all, of charter members. There were far fewer than that, but mm -hmm. you know, they got out their checkbook and said, we are going to commit to be, to helping Canadians, you know, not just in the Valley, but sort of Canadian tech ecosystem thrive. Mm -hmm. And we're going to put our, we've, we, we've had some, some success and, you know, this, the Valley is, you know, I think you probably had Andre Charu on as well, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> will tell you that, you know, the Valley is literally populated by Canadians and, right. uh, you know, who are doing excellent things down here and, you know, and they wanted to pay forward that success and, and they set up the structure. And I think that that has been enormously valuable, not just to Canadians who are coming down here looking at building businesses, but also now the the, the blowback effect back into Canada and mm -hmm. providing Canadian tech founders, you know, a sense of mission and, you know, what the, the art of the possible could be and support from a sort of a broader network, a global network of founders. And I, I, I really like what the, the, the new focus is as well for Sumahara where they're thinking, all right, well, you know, <laughs> you know, if we're going to be a sort of a talent gateway, then, you know, we've got to be not just in, in the Valley, we're going to be in LA, we've got to be in New York, we've got to be in London and um, all the other sort of natural spots where, you know, sort of Canadians are innovating around the world. And, um, and, and we could use that as a two-way flow. And it's not just, you know, sort of how can we help the Canadians who are building business in the UK or, you know, where else. It's about how can we start to get these conveyor belts of talent and activity coming back to Canada. And I think that that, and building value for us, sharing our story, which is yeah. an enormous part of it. And, uh, you know, which is a lot of our activity as well. And, you know, what's interesting about the C100 is that C100 was, you know, so Stu Beck I mentioned, Mm -hmm. the, the original programming with uh, 48 hours, those were activities of our of our consulate at the beginning. Yep. And uh, and so we incubated uh, the, uh, the the 48 hours program at the beginning and uh, a lot of my predecessors uh, or and even a couple of our colleagues who are still with us have been involved in that activity. We, as the government of Canada, also sort of set up a, 
uh, something uh, separate to that, which is our Canadian Technology Accelerator program. I was an original member, um, one of the original members. You were original member, there yeah. you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, and which is fantastic. And now we're running 16 of those programs, which are vertically focused and, you know, you know cross uh, geographies as well, where we get founders selected through incubator programs and uh, or accelerator programs in Canada. And we uh, bring them to the Valley. We help them with uh, sort of the mentorship coaching and uh, fundraising support to, uh, to, to expansion support, all of the things that are required. And it's a, and, and now, you know, we're running programs which, you know, are industry focused that are between places. And so people get the coverage of not just the Valley, but they also get New York and they get LA and they get mm -hmm. London and, other jurisdictions, and uh, and that is, you know, been an incredible resource, and it's that's the work of the government of Canada down here. Yeah, no, I, I I've been impressed. I mean, I was like I said, I was really lucky. Our company was in, I think it was the 2016 CTA, so we had the office down in Rocket Space. I had the choice between oh, Rocket Space and in, uh, um, up in uh, what was the other one in? Um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the name all of a sudden, but. Uh, um, um, yeah, and we, we, you know, we really benefited from it. And I actually got to be, I audited uh, one of the 48 hours as a member of that and got to learn a lot and uh, meet a lot of interesting people. And, 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 and I agree. I mean, the focus, the fact that the focus has evolved beyond Valley of the C100 to move forward, you know, I mean, a center, you know, with, with Ray and team in Toronto now, you know, they're looking at the UK, they're looking at these large markets where Canada's, I mean, we've always been, you know, a, a, a a large player in that, but people haven't really been identified as Canadians yet. Now we're kind of connecting those dots and creating the relationships. And, you know, when we go down to the, you know, to any of the, the you know, the, the, the AGM or whatever you want to call it that was, that was down in San Francisco recently, the, the, the positivity and tide of wanting to help, I think is again, a little bit of a uniquely Canadian, uh, situation. Um, and you know, the, 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 the debates we had about where the world's going and where, you know, our place is in it. And, uh, and just the fact that we're there to help uh, each other, I, I think, is is, is an amazing. And I, and I really do salute you know your office for for having been played a big role in that and and how it evolves. So uh, if keep keep it up. You know, you know, I have to say that you know a shout out to uh, that annual event that C100 does. And it's I, amazing. You know, if there are founders out there, you know, looking to you know aspire to a fun thing to go to, and I know you're drowning in you know different events around the world, but <laughs> there. This was in uh, Half Moon Bay, and mm -hmm. you know it was such a warm and supportive environment. Um, you know, a, a safe space for founders, but also challenging in terms of you know some of the conversations that we had down there. Um, and you know that is you know as you say the best of what Canadians and who Canadians are um, around the world. And mm -hmm. we bring mm -hmm. you know I, I remember a, you know someone there you know, said to me, he goes, you know, this is so different from, you know, similar American rooms or other rooms where, you know, you get this kind of edge of, you know, kind of almost, uh, you know, sort of a, an aggressive and unfriendly edge where, yeah. um, you know, with this, this community, it's like coming, you know, into a, you know, a community of people that, you know, you've known forever and, you know, have your back. And, uh, and I think that there's something, you know, as we're, on our own entrepreneurial journeys or, you know, journeys in anything, like having those anchor spaces yeah. and ensuring that you're connected to an anchor community is mm -hmm. going to be a key for the success of a lot of the folks listening, you know, right now. 
Oh, for sure. And and the fact that we could have a Western night where we dress up like cowboys and no one made fun of each other for wearing cowboy hats or any of those looks, you know, the support was there. The support did you was there. Uh, did you ride the uh, the the mechanical bull? I I I didn't. I threw the axes a bunch, but I didn't ride the bull. Were you were you a successful uh, cowboy there? No, I uh, I resisted all temptation, sort of, of doing <laughs> that. I figured that you know smart. traction for a couple of weeks uh, was <laughs> not you know adequate payback for that. So <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. But that but that that event was so much fun, and and I and I do challenge those who you know who who do want to make connections this way and and feel that they can you know not just benefit but also help because I think that's what the real message is. It isn't that I'm benefiting myself. It's the how can I help as you know as a Canadian and and a fellow business person, uh, which I which I think is so cool. Um, well, you know, in in the eyes of America, because I know you're you're speaking to a lot of your American counterparts, and um, you know that's kind of you know you're trying to find as you said the signal uh, from there. What what is Canada's super strength, and and what can we be doing better? So I I think that you know in terms of our super strength that you know like. Our relationship down here is, as a former colleague of mine, uh, George Hanel, who was a great diplomat for Canada, used to call, and he coined a term called intermestic with the United States in the sense right. that, you know, sometimes we're domestic, sometimes we're a for, you know, foreign country, and the American perception of us and, you know, is extremely sort of mixed between, because it's motivated by, you know, sometimes they see us as this foreign country, you know, oh, it's Canada, well, we forgot about them, or they're they're there, see. but, you know, they're so important. And, and yet, on the other hand, there's almost a kind of, you know, a sense that we are domestic to the American story yeah. and, uh, and, and deeply integrated. And so there's this kind of, you know, uh, disjuncture in thinking. And so, and sometimes, to be honest, it's been useful for us to be, you know, seen as intermestic in the sense yeah. that, you know, there's a lot of our work and a lot of, you know, sometimes it's it's best to be just, you know, included in the American system. And other times there's, uh, you know, a, a, a real moment where, you know, we, you know, assert ourselves as a, you know, our, obviously we're, we're, we're an independent country and, you know, that's the, um, and, and that that's what we should do. And mm -hmm. uh, so that has been the history of the relationship. And so, you know, in Canada, we've got this other problem that where we look at the United States sometimes and, you know, we suffer from, you know, what uh, Freud called the narcissism minor difference sometimes yeah. with the United States because we've grown up in their culture. Like we, right. we've watched their television. We've, you know, their, their sort of cultural background is our radiating cultural background to an extent or, you know, we, we often, you know, particularly in English Canada, we, um, uh, we, we just consume a lot of America and, but we don't, we're not from America. We're not yeah. there on the ground We're you know, there are some real differences and, uh, and sometimes we can, you know, think that our perception of what's happening down here is, is correct. And, you know, and oftentimes there's space and you know, equally with the United States, they, they, they kind of think of us as sort of a Northern Americans. But, uh, but, but they don't really, you know, have the time or, or, or sort of ability to sort of focus on those great differences. And so often these sorts of relationships with the best of friends, sometimes, you know, yeah, you know, there's, there still are, um, you know, sort of blind spots in those relationships. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think we cause too little problems for them. So we're quite off the radar because of it. You know, we see it as best of friends. They see it as, hey, one less thing to worry about sometimes. But, you know, I was in Seattle for my son's hockey tournament this weekend. And, um, you know, I had to show ID because I was, uh, oh, I was getting some, uh, it, was my, it was my 50th birthday, actually, on oh, while I was happy there. Happy birthday. Thank wow. you. And so I bought a bottle of Snoop Dogg champagne, if that is a real thing, but it was what I bought. And of course I got ID'd and they referred to me, oh, it's Canadian. You're just American anyhow. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, eh, you know what? Thanks, I guess. You know, I'd like to think we're different, but, you know, but again, it kind of speaks to the fact that, uh, you know, we, we do have a lot of similarities. I mean, I grew up on the border. I was like a kilometer less away at all times. And, uh, um, well, any, I, you know, I, I just want to go a little bit deeper actually, because we, we, you know, we bumped into each other. Uh, we were on a McGill campus tour where you were with one of your children and I was with my That's daughter right. and I thought That's that right. was pretty funny. But of the seven families that were on that tour, five were U.S. based. So why are yeah. Canadian universities so popular globally? Wow. Okay. And so, you know, and in McGill particularly mm-hmm. uh, for U.S. in the U.S. as a outstanding brand, um, and uh, I, I think it's about twenty three or twenty four percent of uh, the incoming classes typically are uh, American students mm-hmm. at, at McGill, and that's actually high in you know comparison to many other universities in terms of American students and. You know, we of course have become you know an outstanding global destination for uh, for for students and for all the obvious reasons. So we invested in these incredible public institutions in Canada. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing that you get when you're down here is that you know you you start to realize the long term uh, uh, sort of cumulative benefits over decades and generations of public investments that we've made in Canada, you know, whether it's the healthcare system, whether it's, and you know, Canadians have lots of different views on their, our healthcare system, but you know, mm-hmm. it is a public good that is, you know, dramatically different, leads to very dramatic differences, you know, over a longer t- term in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, of outcomes, the public education system you know, in our Canadian provinces is amongst the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and those are long-term generational investments that have taken place, our level of infrastructure that we've built in Canada. And, but this public infrastructure, you know, often gets uncosted and underappreciated when you're in Canada, when we're in these federal provincial fights and, you know, sort of when Canada gets angry, when the weather turns bad and, we all start, you know, jumping on one another about, you know, this crisis or that crisis. But if you were to put it in a global context, you know, we have these incredible assets. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, on that trip, but I was like, I often wonder why more American students, you know, aren't applying to Canadian universities. I mean, the price gaps alone and the quality gaps mm-hmm. are substantial. Like in the United States, you know, uh, you know, higher education you know, pricing has gone through the roof. It's completely left every other scale of price inflation and like healthcare in the United States, which is much more expensive, but uh, uh, but public edu- or, or education has become uh, uh, dramatically more expensive and, and more exclusive, uh, more challengingly. And so Canadian schools in that context rank extremely highly, you know, and uh, and you know, we could probably have more American applicants, certainly, 
if we were to put some effort into that. But you know, but that's a it's it's a public policy choice, and it's a choice that the schools will have to make. Oh, very nice, and, and and I agree. I mean, I actually have some uh, cousins who are based in San Francisco. You know, they're of Canadian heritage. Uh, they, uh, you know, their parents were born there, but they are American, and uh, they in fact did send their kids to McGill as well. So there is there is definitely something uh, you know glowing at McGill. And I know at UBC where I went, and you know, I I will have to go there today as as I'm there often. You know, we definitely have a lot of an international flavor as well, which I, which I think which I think is fantastic. Well, you know, you touched on how you your you have an experience as, um, you know, an entrepreneur yourself. And I think that's important in your role because I think it helps form the understanding of why a lot of people are down in the valley and your ability to communicate um, in a, in a, in a comfortable way, um, you know, or at least a, in a respectful way where you're not just guessing what people are feeling. You, you actually, you know, had some of those, uh, some of those challenges, uh, you know, the ups and downs of, of the startup Absolutely. life as well. Um, but you also were the national director of high growth markets uh, at KPMG. So how how did that prepare you for your role as council general? So that's that's interesting. I mean, KPMG is you know a uh, a global firm that <laughs> uh, you know has this enormously wide client base, and you know the the reason why uh, I wanted to 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 uh, sort of work in that kind of environment was basically is an extension of the kind of work that I was doing, uh, not just the Canada India Business Council, but, you know, also, you know, prior to that based in London, which was around helping LPs and direct investors and other entities think about how they're both investing sort of large capital um, into uh, growing global markets. And, right. uh, I was based out, out in India as an expat in the late nineties and, you know, spent a lot of my career in Asia as well as Europe. And, uh, and so I've been on that kind of, um, sort of early or mid globalization sort of, uh, uh, sort of, uh, corridor for a while. And so, um, and what I saw was that, you know, as Canadian particularly sort of our pension funds, uh, which were big clients and others, um, uh, big direct investors, as they were looking at the world. They were putting together teams, they're building investment infrastructure, they were, you know, helping entrepreneurs um, sort of get out there as well. Um, they uh, needed the kind of perspectives that, you know, people who'd, uh, you know, operate in environments like like I had, you know, was, uh, and, and and it was it was a lot of fun during that period because it was the kind of uh, growth mode of uh, mm. max globalization. <laughs> if uh, if you know so, you know that we may look back at and say that is uh, that was a unique moment in history. Mm -hmm. um, and but what I would say is that it also you know helps you develop a, a vocabulary an index of what um, a lot of senior business leaders and political leadership. Uh, and uh, and and government leadership are looking for, and some of the challenges that they're uh, experiencing, just given the nature of change and sort of the geoeconomic context, and uh, and so I, I, you know, it was it was it was fun work, and and to to an extent, as you know, I was telling a friend, and you know, this is something that I think most entrepreneurs and and leaders, depending on whatever you're doing, um, you know, I think share is that. There is an essence of the kind of work that you do, and which is tied to your identity, just tied to your unique formation of skills that you would do anywhere. Right. And you've it, and there is a thread line through pretty much 
everything that you've probably done. And and if if pressed, you would do this, you know, you know, even if there were not an economic outcome to it, because right. it's just so tied into your parts of your identity. And if if you could find threads like that, and in your own career and life, I think that you'll be well placed, not just in the venture that you're doing right now, but you know the stuff that comes after, because there's many chapters in life, and you know, right. and this is and this chapter is has been a, an extremely rewarding and interesting chapter, but there'll be others after this, and uh, but that through line of the kinds of things that you're interested in. And, uh, and for me, it was always that collision point between the changes in geoeconomics, uh, you know, technology, you know, climate, uh, many of the, the, the big formation things. Um, you'll be doing it in another chapter as well. Ooh, yeah. Well, we, we have lots of chapters. Uh, that, that's for sure. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of other chapters, because I think this one's really interesting, um, is that you are a senior fellow at the Moak School of Global Affairs and Public Policy. What does that mean exactly? What do you do with that role? So, um, so interesting. When I, I I sold out a company in London in two thousand and seven eight, and got back to Toronto, and um, my wife and I, we had a two year old at that stage, and we were like, all right, well, what do we do? We want to be involved in building, you know, building something and and community, and you know, get back into you know serving in some fashion, and. Where can we best do that? And we got a place sight unseen, and we're like, all right, well, we're going to live in downtown Toronto, and you know, wow. figure out what to do. And one of my the first calls was somebody I really knew well uh, prior to this, but uh, was Dr. Janice Stein, who's right. you know the legendary uh, professor of politics and international relations at the University of Toronto, but she's also a just a great global icon and somebody who is actually a startup founder now in right. her late seventies. Awesome. And, you know, is busier than most and, you know, is in terms of life icon status, like we should all aspire to be like Janice. And I would look up Janice Stein and what she's doing. It'd be really interesting. But she came to me and she said, all right, well, you know, we have this thing called the, you know, the uh, the predecessor to the Monk School was the Monk Center at the University of Toronto. And she was leading and whatnot. And uh, we want to create a school. And we want to create a school, you know, for people kind of like you, like people who, you know, were Canadian, who were interested in this kind of intersection between, you know, uh, not just politics, innovation, and, uh, uh, you know, how we intersect, you know, the idea of politics and innovation and into both our public institutions and our, you know, in creating new ventures so that they, they kind of understand one another. And we uh, sort of sat down and said, all right, well, what should a school like this do? And so she appointed me and, you know, I, uh, another colleague uh, who, who, who was a great friend, uh, Jonathan Hausman from Ontario Teachers, who leads uh, a strategy, one of the senior leaders at, uh, at uh, Ontario Teachers Pension Fund. And, uh, and Jonathan had been at Goldman Sachs and he'd, you know, sort of also done a variety of really international global things before this. And, uh, and we sat down and we said, all right, what does that curriculum need to look like um, for this school? And, uh, and we work with, you know, many of the, 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 the folks at the Monks, uh, now at the Monks School, that are part of the University of Toronto to help, you know, really uh, energize that curriculum. And, 
And the idea was we bring in students and we go through uh, a, a MGA program, Masters of Global Affairs program, but it was applied and it had an innovation track that, you know, it got people out into working and using sort of design thinking and problem solving techniques Ooh. to um, to actually solve real life problems. And uh, so just wasn't sort of an academic degree. And with the objective of keeping great Canadian talent in Canada and or bringing global talent to Canada and giving them sort of the perspective of uh, of this, you know, what what a global future could look like from from Canada. And so that was a lot of excitement. So I was the the uh, inaugural co-chair of the, uh, the the board for the the Monk School of Global Affairs and raised a hundred million bucks uh, wow. from um, uh, largely you know a big donor was obviously uh, Peter Monk at the time, <laughs> and and it's it's gone to great success. And I think we've now sort of graduated, gosh, I don't know, thirteen classes or you know right. so, and it is. I'm always amazed by the kind of people who are now graduates and what they're doing around the world. And so as a fellow, you know, I am still working on the same set of issues that, you know, I, you know, sort of mentioned to you and uh, get a chance to work with colleagues and just provide advice and mentorship to, you know, people coming up as well. Wow, that sounds super interesting. Well, well, one thing that I found, you know, on your your resume, the, the one that you did put in, not the one no. that you didn't put in, so the the, the ones I couldn't read, um, was that you are the former member of the advisory board of the Literary Review of Canada. So my question is this: How many books a year do you need to read to be considered a member of the board? I, I that is a very good question, and actually, it was <laughs> such a, you know, it's amazing. So you know, there's a. There's a whole arts conversation that you know we could have, which is you know very separate to this in terms of other aspects of you know all of our personal development as we go through this challenge of navigating this world right now. And um, and arts and literature are up there in terms of just the balm that we need to better understand the condition that we're in. And so I, you know, I, I and and I was you know at the time I was you know asked to you know uh, this is going back over a decade um, to join that that uh, that board and which was a lot of fun and uh, uh, and I occasionally wrote the, the occasional review or uh, a contribution to that and uh, but I get through probably and I did a challenge I think last year to come two years ago of trying to get through uh, fifty books. Wow. in a year, like 50, you know, sort of decent sized things. And I try to keep myself accountable by writing the review of the, Never. of a book for myself. And, uh, and I shared some of those as well, um, uh, with friends and others. And, um, uh, and it's a, it's a fascinating process. And, you know, I think that getting back to analog for me is really important to actually see pages, to, you know, to, to, in this time of, you know, sort of attention deficit and, you know, we're constantly reading snippets of things to actually um, use it as a sort of a a tool to, you know, maintain sanity and to maintain <laughs> the appreciation for the long argument, which, yeah. uh, it, you know, look, in, in some books should be, you know, uh, essays or <laughs> should be much smaller. There's a lot of expansion that goes into the publishing industry as well. But there are other pieces that are, you know, really deserve time, attention, and, and focus that is uh, often being lost in, you know, sort of the TikTok, Instagram culture that we're, you know, kindly, our attention is being distracted towards. 
Uh, and that is that is a serious concern I have. I mean, I, I did my undergrad in, in Russian uh, and history, and uh, wow. was always respectful of the the. the I guess back then, but the Soviet system of how much importance the literary review board would have. Like these would be very important people, and uh, I think I think it, it it should be retained the same. Like I think the value um, is is important. Um, so I'm I'm glad you you know you've got to share your flavors of that. And uh, I, I, fifty books, wow! I, I I'd love to try to get there. I I will do my best. I will do my best. Um, well, as you know, um, it often comes are... at the price of sleep. By the way, which oh, I imagine is, is another thing. And I, I, I you know, learning to pro- prize <laughs> sleep a little bit, and uh, uh, which is cutting into a bit of my reading time. So, uh, well, you know what? I think, I think, yeah. The problem is sometimes I, 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 the books hit me in the face because of sleep. So I, I you go, you can go, it can go both ways. It can help with your sleep, or, or I suppose can can deplete you from it. Well, you know, as 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 the uh, you know the theme of uh, the afternoon tea podcast is to uh, speak to wonderful guests like yourself in order to prepare that next generation of uh, of, of startup founders, or or can I say that next generation of of consul generals, uh, which I think uh, you know is 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 an amazing goal to have. Um, can you share? Or I had these two questions, basic that I always ask, and uh, you know, the first is, can you share one piece of advice to help younger Canadian founders? Sure. Um, I, you know, I thought a lot about this and, uh, uh, when, when you asked it originally and mm-hmm. I thought, you know, there's so much great stuff out there mm-hmm. and some, you know, read widely, like just start, you know, uh, you know, that old aphorism that I always tell my kids is that like, you know, leaders are readers and right. there is no getting around that. And so, and we live at this kind of magic moment where your best mentors and guides are out there online. They're on the podcasts. They're available 24 7 wherever you need it. Develop the habit of, you know, constantly, you know, becoming a better filter of information. And and it's not just all about reception. There's a lot of dross out there as well. It's about, you know, uh, determining who your your gurus and mentors are and and go deep. And, uh, and, and don't be afraid to do that. And the second thing I would say is that, you know, beware, like we're all, you know, subject to time dilation effects in some ways. Like we, you know, life is long. It really is. And, uh, uh, and it has many chapters and, uh, understand the chapter that you are in, in the context. And it's often that's easier said than done, but, you know, and look for role modeling of people who have done it before. And I, and I just don't mean this in, you know, people who are in a business context, particularly if you're, you're, you know, an entrepreneur, it's all about, you know, the sprint, but, you know, we need to sort of, to, to make that sprint sustainable or to make, um, good of that sprint, you also need to, uh, take care of, uh, uh, you know, sort of your, uh, mental space for sure. And, uh, and that is not said enough for um, entrepreneurs because it is rough. Like the the partners you choose, you know, uh, or fall into, these could be decadal relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, the venture funders that you have, like they're, you know, uh, friends of mine who are either starting a VC fund or they've been through these relationships have been, you know, are, you know, these are 10, 12 year relationships from beginning to end. And, you know, there'll be lots of ups and downs. And so choose your partners wisely and, uh, and the third thing I would say is that, you know, like if you're thinking about the Valley and its role in 
the growth. And I'm, you know, really speaking to, um, you know, founders that are, you know, in tech that are really looking at, um, you know, where their next funding round is going to come from and who should be in their cap stack and how they should, you know, put that together is that the Valley, you know, it's never been more transparent than, uh, than, right. than, it, than it is right now. And so, you know, read deeply, do your research in terms of, you know, which community down here is the most useful um, for you and, and, and reach out directly and, uh, and, you know, don't be afraid to do that. Awesome. No, those are the three, three great pieces of gold. I mean, I, I especially like, cause I don't think I hear it that much about the time dilation that it's actually, you know, it's not, you have more time than you think. It's not one of these rush, rush, rush and fear for your mental health. Cause I mean, I, I would agree. I think some of the best advice I've had from leaders is just pause, take a breath, don't panic because, you know, maybe the timing's not right. Or maybe the, you know, maybe, maybe you're thinking with a little too much, uh, uh pressure on you, but just, you know, think about it from a long-term effect and you know if things maybe there's a ups and downs don't let that affect you like or, or if it does rebound from it and don't go too dark you know because well, no, i've absolutely. seen people go too dark oh the, the this stoicism you know which has been you know the whole you know uh ryan holiday world of stoicism which is you know sort of grown up here in the valley and has uh you know a lot of resonance right now but stoicism in the kind of um there's a real tradition in the West Coast of uh, what, you know, on a surface level, we would call it kind of a West Coast Buddhist tradition. Yes. And that goes back a century that has many different sort of elements to it. But it's really about, you know, uh, it not just building the next thing, but it's like, what is this for? Mm-hmm. And, and who are we? Why are we here? And so there's this kind of continual big question asking that um that takes place down here as well particularly and you know i noticed that is a very um different aspect of the valley and there's different layers of the world down here which um i would encourage people to explore there's different speeds that they're happening at and so of course if you're you know in a kind of you know extremely fast growth and hyperscaling sort of mode right now, then you're going to focus on those things, which you should do. And there's lots of available resources down here and, um, uh, for that. Um, but there's also sort of other lessons that you can learn from places like this and, um, uh, which I would encourage you to do as well. And, uh, and you know, that final point on, on, uh, to Canadian founders is that, Hey, look, you know, like there's never been a better time to be a Canadian founder. Than right now, and there's so much happening in the Canadian ecosystem. I'm so excited about, you know, the kind of growth that we're going to see for this uh, this next generation. You mentioned generative uh, AI at the you know the outset. You know the 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 ex- explosion. You know the Cambrian explosion of stuff that that enables, mm-hmm. and you know is mind blowing in the context of that there are about three or four other big explosions taking place at the same time from things that are happening in, in energy transition to, you know, right. stuff that's happening in, uh, in, in life sciences. And it's this combination effect that is going to be, uh, the most interesting. And, uh, and so I, I would say that, you know, for Canadian founders is be excited. There's a lot of support, you know, where you are and dip into these other ecosystems because, right. uh, you know, they can help as well. 
Oh, for sure. I think I think that's great. Well, well, one last question before I let you get on with your very busy day, and I do appreciate your time today, Rana. Um, but can you share the name of a Canadian entrepreneurial star or founder that you personally look up to? Sure. And this was a really hard one because there was like you know, many, you know, mm-hmm. in, into this time dilation thing. There were a few folks that I thought of, uh, you know, at different stages of, you know, the the journey of, you know, not just entrepreneurial journey, but of life and mm-hmm. You know, like I, I look at it as like a young founder and someone who's got this generative energy and is someone who is building really interesting stuff is like a Greg Eisenberg, you know, right. from Last Checkout, who's Canadian. His his entrepreneurial story is so, you know, sort of fascinating from Montreal and built, you know, and exited a number of different businesses, but really is building this idea of community and um and you know, and and how you build community in the post web 2.0 era and you know and is enabling a lot of people to do that and it's just a really good guy and mm. someone who is you know and I, i'm always fascinated by people who are working on themselves uh, as as well as working on you know what they're doing because they mm-hmm. you know they're 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 that's that's a such a a powerful combination and so greg as as a sort of an early earlier stage um sort of uh, individual and and then, you know, someone who's really killing it and whose story is so remarkable because she is so humble and she's so fantastic. And you've probably had her and others have mentioned her, but it's Michelle Zatlin from Cloudflare. Mm-hmm. And she's awesome. Michelle, she's just amazing. Like, I mean, you know, uh, you know, first, you know, self-made billionaire, uh, you know, a Canadian woman uh, from Saskatchewan. From Saskatchewan. You know, McGill after that and, you know, decides to, you know, go from McGill, you know, gets out of life sciences and, you know, obviously sort of makes her way to HBS. And and with Matthew Prince, her Mm co-founder, this was the HBS, you know, they won the HBS uh, uh, business competition Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. with essentially what is Cloudflare. Yeah. And then they grew that at all of these stages. And that took, you could imagine them, the, they, they've probably had 10 different companies within that company to get to the stage that they are now. And they're now killing out the global stage and, you know, are, are, you know, established leaders. And the last person I'll mention is, um, is my friend, John McBain, who is, uh, uh, you may not have, uh, because he's not a, you know, tech founder from this era, but he is a, you know, Canadian founder who, you know, another uh, HBS grad who ends up working for the, uh, with with the the Demarays at Bauer, and then but quickly moved on to found Trader uh, Media, sort of Trader Classified Media. And what they did was that they bought up, you know, the Trader Classified Media uh, or or all of the um, uh, classified media sort of businesses that were doing things like Auto Trader and other pieces like that around the world when that was an enormously profitable business. And they they did a global roll-up of that. And they sold that business in 2007. And John became, you know, this, Canadian, between Canada and Switzerland, this great Canadian billionaire off the back of that. But then he became a great investor mm-hmm. and entrepreneur finder, uh, you know, supporter of institutions. He single-handedly has, you know, uh, recapitalized the Rhodes Foundation that for Rhodes Scholars. He's put $200 million into uh, McGill University to create the uh, McBain Scholars program. Amazing. And he is, you know, doing that last thing that we all should aspire to do in life, which is um, the give back. 
and um, and and really building off of purpose. And so, uh, so those are three. Sorry, I couldn't nail it down to one, but uh, uh, three, three names wonderful. that are are inspiring me. And you know, and of course, I'm inspired every day. And I was just, you know, amazingly inspired by my wife, Reva Seth, who mm-hmm. is a you know, founder, writer, author, she's a lawyer. She's doing so many different cool things. You know, we're, you know, and, uh, you know, try to be inspired by the people around you. The five people that are around you most are the ones that are going to, you know, set your mindset and uh, try to, uh, you know, surround yourself with, uh, with, with people that inspire you every day. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad you threw your wife in there too, because I think that's really important. And, uh, um, you know, and I, I just want to touch a little bit on Michelle Zatlin because we did have we did have her on the show, and she she's fantastic. And I and I, I you know I recommend that you uh, go go back in the catalog there and 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 check it out. But I would also argue that she founded probably one of the most powerful companies in the sense of hey, you know what? If you wanted to take down any company, I revoke your certificate. Like there is some power right. that that company has that people really don't understand. You know that keeps business going. Um, Rihanna, thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for sharing, and uh, also all the work you do on behalf of Canada and us, and us Canadians. We, you know, we give you a merci, if you will, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to continuing, uh, you know, learning about you know the stuff you do, and I hope that our kids do go to school together. I think that would be a, a wonderful opportunity That's to uh, something keep to that aspire connection going. To. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And Chris, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And, uh, you know, diplomacy has many different angles. And, you know, we often lose this idea that, you know, this thing called 1.5 diplomacy, which is like government people, but also sort of people from civil society and business and others that, you know, get together to solve problems. And what I would say is that, you know, we're building networks and, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're really part of this kind of growing, growing lattice work of Canadians around the world that are trying to do cool things and move the country forward. And so I congratulate you. So oh, well, thank, thank you, thank you. you. Let's, let's keep doing great things yeah. together, okay? Ahoy, afternoon tea listeners. If you got this far, I assume you liked this episode, and that is awesome. Thank you. In such a case, please rate and review Afternoon Tea Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your feeds from. Afternoon Tea is a podcast with a goal to share the stories of Canada's successful tech entrepreneurs in order to prepare the next wave of founders. We do have some great guests lined up for future episodes, but we would love to hear your thoughts too. Please do let us know who you think should be on the show. You can do so by emailing me at podcast at ttt.studio. That is P-O-D-C-A-S-T at T-T-T, that is three T's, dot studio. You will notice there is no dot com because we are that sophisticated. Furthermore, you can find us at social media at T-T-T underscore studios. I look forward to chatting with you soon.